Okay, no intro music this time. Not to start off with, anyway. Um, it just doesn't seem, well, awesome. Um, um, intro music, both from Zach Reed of the Dynasty Dummies and Gabe Gearing of the Open Bar Podcast, is also happy and upbeat. I just, I, I don't want it to be somber, but I didn't want to start off that way. If anyone doesn't know, Jake Anderson, um, Jake Anderson FF, although he might change that now, <laughs> again, has decided to step away from most of his leagues and creating fantasy football content, and that includes being on the Dynasty Crossroads. So he is not returning, as I long hoped for, um, to be my co-host and co-founder of the Dynasty Crossroads. He's not coming back. He's gone. He's gone, fam. He's running off into the sunset with his absolutely gorgeous um, family, um, with his new daughter, his previous daughter, and his wife. He mentioned in his retirement tweet, which I will link to uh, the description, and I didn't learn about it in a tweet. I made it sound like I learned about it on a tweet, but um, he, he, we've we've talked about this. Um, he's decided to step away to reprioritize his life. He mentioned in his tweet that he's got some medical issues coming up. I don't know any more about that, nor should I, as just his fantasy football friend, obviously. Um, I hope they are temporary and non too severe obviously but outside of that i know his life has been moving in what i thought of what i saw of it was a remarkably positive direction he got a not a promotion he's a golf instructor and he got certified i think by the pga i don't know golf okay but um he worked really hard in getting a certification which is hard to get and uh, elite you could say um i know he obviously just had another daughter he just moved into a new house all of it sounds Great, and I I hope it keeps going in that direction, no matter what these medical issues may be. And um, because I sincerely do, from the bottom of my deep, dark, cold heart, wish him just warmth and good things for the future. He is still going to be on Twitter. I realize that just made it sound like he's stepping into the void, never to be seen again. But he's around. I sincerely suggest you still follow him. He's still one of the best guys you can possibly talk to, and um, about football or anything else. And um, this community is amazing and fantastic, not to get all sappy on you, but it is. I'm overwhelmed by it sometimes, just the, the, the warmth and also um, the welcome with that everyone receives if they walk into this community openly, at least. And uh, Jake is at the head of the list of a, an immense amount of men and women that I've found that enjoy the silly hobby of ours but are just phenomenally generous, kind, smart, intelligent, and hardworking. And um, Jake's at, easily at the head of that list. I greatly enjoyed the opportunity to get talk, to talk to him once a week. I'm also infinitely aware he was doing podcasts and fantasy football content for longer than me. I'm not really qualified to do the Here's Jake Anderson's Swan Song, but... Like, I'm the only one here, so for this podcast, I'm the only one who's got to do it. Most of you probably know him from the Open Bar podcast, or the podcast he was on with Addison Hayes long before I was even making content. He, he's been a great fantasy football player, but more importantly, he's been uh, a great human being to know, and I'm really uh, very appreciative to have had that chance, and still have that chance, since he's neither dead nor off Twitter, and I live on Twitter, so that, that, that'll that be good. But um, yeah, follow the tweet thank him and um, someone joked once that um jake uh was never on the podcast since they've been listening and if you're still out there listener i hope i haven't turned you off <laughs> that's funny but also you should know that he was a co-founder 
Um, he was my co-host. And whether you know it or not, throughout the 2019 season, you also have been the great beneficiary of Jake's hard work, effort, and talent. Um, he's created every graphic we've got. He set up almost everything on the podcast because I'm actually useless when it comes to administrative or organizational tasks. He got my Walkman to come on our podcast. I'm very bad at that also. He is the one who set us up with DLF, so we're a DLF family podcast. His hard work has infused the 2019 season, whether you heard him on the podcast or not. So whether you've heard him on here before, you should know that you do whatever value you get out of this show, you owe at least half of it, at least half of it to Jake still. Um, he's been a phenomenal co-host, he's been a phenomenal friend, um, and I'm certainly going to miss him. Um, but again, not dead, I'm still talking to him, he's still around, you should too. Outside of that, I guess I should tell you what my plans are. I don't want to leave you with the idea that uh, this podcast is ending, Um I hope not. I mean, as far as I have control of it, for some reason I am a sick, sick human being who loves the grind, who loves engaging in this community and just wants to add to it. I've really enjoyed having a podcast. This has been really my my experience has started with Jake of podcasting and getting invited on other podcasts. Who's my introduction to that world? And it's another way of communicating and trying to give back into this community, put value back out there. And it's different than Twitter. It's different than writing articles or grinding spreadsheets. And it's enjoyable and fun in a very different way is what I'm trying to say. And I don't want to give that up. So my plan is to continue the Dynasty Crossroads. I've reached out to DLF to find out if they still even want me without Jake. Um, I've reached out to uh, Zach and also... Gabe to ask what do I do about my intros like I really still like them but since they're you know more experience with podcasts and everything else than me they might tell me I should stop using them I don't know and um, well they don't want me to use them without Jake frankly Jake was uh, the better be, best better half of this podcast <laughs> so um I just want to cover my bases that way um I'm still going to be putting out all the content I usually put out in the off season I'm going to be grinding pretty soon to create my NFL database updated for 2019 that one I mostly keep to Patreons only, um, and a shout out to all the patrons that supported me this year. They got me access to Rotoviz data. Without without them, I would not be able to do that. I've tried to put out as much content based on it as I can to thank them and also you know help them with their leagues. Hopefully, I did that. Um, my market share database for college. Now, the reason I keep my NFL one as private is because I'm just trying to provide some thank you back. To the people that actually have really helped me this year and supporting me, not and that includes people that listen to this podcast, it also includes people that donate to Patreon. I thank you all from the deep, dark, shallow bottom of my cold card analytical heart. But NFL data is freely available. There are so many places, and I try to do as much revealing of that as I can on Twitter. Here's where you can get this data and that data without the need of some schlub like me. Um, and because of that, I don't feel like it's hard to get. I don't feel like I'm adding back to the community in any great way. It's just my version of it. Whereas the college data, while it's out there, it's mostly in its raw form, getting a history of it. The, the market share specifically, um, it's mostly paywalled. If it's, and, and that's great. People get, have to get paid. But like I know what it's like to try to do this or engage in this or enjoy that without being able to get behind paywalls. So I tried to do a little bit of it um, just as a loner by myself, independent research, to put out market share data and some model information that you can all see a history of. So you can start testing and getting involved in analytics if you want to by yourself. Now, to get that, you just go to my Twitter feed and follow the Google Sheet. You don't even have to vi visit my Twitter feed again. You'll have the link to the Google Sheet, which I update um, and maintain until I find a better better home for it, at least. That's where it all is. I will get back to that um, 
this off season. For now, I'm finishing out my projections. I'm projecting players and games for the Roto Underworld for the playoffs as well. So I'm still engaged in the 2019 season, which is a little limiting what I can do for off-season content, but I am going to start working on that stuff too. Um, as for the podcast, I'm going to keep trying to get as many people to come on and keep me in check um, while trying to do the best Jake and Peter impersonation <laughs> uh, I can for the crossroads, try and move both sides of the work. Um, I believe I can do a, a poor impersonation of Jake to try and keep this up. Um, I'm going to. Um, I'm never going to replace Jake. Um, don't tell him I ever said anything nice about him, obviously, but he's kind of irreplaceable. I might find someone else to podcast with regularly, but mostly everyone's got their own things going on. You know, no one wants to give anything up to come talk to me every week, but they will come and visit, right? Um, so I'm hoping to keep that up. Um, outside of that, it's going to be me trying to talk through my process, provide as much data and as much of that meeting of the two roads at the crossroads that we've always tried to do. So that's my plan. Um, throughout the offseason, what I'm going to try and do is take the brave, heroic, truly appreciated support that I've got from um, my patrons uh, this season. I've been using it to get Rotoviz data, like I said, for the offseason. The data's already established, so I'm going to try and save that up and invest in a PC because mine are defunct. And after talking with Jeff Miller and also Addison Hayes of FS Statistics and DLF, who know a lot more about computers than me, I've decided the hardware I've got for my previous PCs just is not able to keep up, so rebuilding them that way isn't going to work. So if I save up for this off-season and try and find some other money to invest back into the pool for myself, I'm hoping to get a tower, which can help me advance into R and learning code and doing a little bit more to give back to this community through. So that's my plan with the Patreon account and, and the Patreon money. None of it, none of it goes on like... A, rims whatever whatever people spend money on when they're not sickeningly obsessed with fantasy football i honestly have no idea um so that's what i'm going to be doing um besides missing jake obviously um as a podcast co-host at least um i thought about a few different ways to like fill content for this episode apparently i can't stop talking about jake uh this intro keeps getting way too long so i'm just going to leave it long i guess i thought about doing a montage of his best takes but that seemed a little too nice and kind because he's had way too many great takes that have worked out for the 2019 season even though he wasn't here so instead i thought i'd leave you with our very first episode like i said we went originally or initially a member of the dlf family po of podcasts so it's not on the same feed um, I don't even know where you'd find them on the interwebs, although I'm sure it's still out there. But uh, our very first episode, in fact our first 20 or so, I don't think they're really available on the feed you're listening to right now. So I thought doing the first one would be a good way to do Jake Swan song. And the editing was terrible because that was my responsibility. I think I've improved, but I was definitely worse at the time. In the same way that you can look at the Crossroads TV from ways that, that literally the name Crossroads, roads diverging or roads meeting... Um, it's the same with introductions. The start often sounds very much like the end of things. Um, and a lot of stuff that came from the first episode, in many ways, is a better way of ending um, Jake's dominant reign on the crossroads. So when I listened back to it, it, it just seemed like the best way. Um, instead of choosing my favorite or anything like that or a montage of takes, it just seemed like uh, the most fitting way to say goodbye thank you truly to jake anderson for his work on the crossroads and um everything i've learned all the friendship i got from him um over this last year year and a half two years i don't i didn't even know what it was it started with rashad penny so whenever rashad penny was drafted it was around then so whatever that time frame was that's when we started that's what we got started on disagreeing on rashad penny 
Um, and I thought that was a, that would be a fitting way to end it. Um, not the crossroads. Crossroads still here. Even when I, I'm gone, the crossroads will still exist. Hopefully, I encourage more people to come to the crossroads, where roads meet to learn and improve with each other. So I'll leave you with the very first episode of the Dynasty Crossroads. We could call it elite, rare, collectible, even maybe since it's not on the DLF feed, but we'll just call it episode one, I guess. Thanks again, truly, for everyone that's listened to this podcast. We have about 300 downloads, 350. Every time I release a podcast, it goes up to about 700 through that week. And I can't tell you how much joy and how much appreciation I feel for everyone that downloads, listens, and supports us this way. Um, next week, we actually have FF Stompy, former FF uh, Scott Fishball champion, because I don't really want to talk to the winners and the lovers. I want to talk to the haters and losers. And now Stompy is one of the losers. I, I cannot resist saying that. Sorry, Stompy. I want him on the podcast. So he's coming on with us next week um, to start the new era of the Dynasty Crossroads, I guess. It's bound to be good with Stompy on. Especially now he's a hater and a loser. Like me. <laughs> Alright, guys. Um, spoken way too long. Miss you, Jake. Talk to you later. I'm really appreciated, dude. You're at the Dynasty Crossroads that film and analytics create. The Dynasty Crossroads that film and analytics create. Just numbers and Jake just grinds that tape. It's the Dynasty Crossroads where film is everything. Hello, welcome to Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard. I'm here with Jake Anderson. We're here to try and give you two perspectives on the same player, to try and find the crossroads between analytics and film, to give you the best overall view of how to try and evaluate a player and how you what you think of him. Uh, for both Dynasty or Redraft or whatever type of fantasy football you happen to play. Find me at PA Howdy on Twitter and Jake Anderson is NFL Draft Talker. For this first episode, we thought we'd just start with our basic understanding of what uh, our process is on running back evaluations. What we look for, what stands out to us, maybe some hits and misses that have really stuck with us and we keep trying to remind ourselves of so that we don't make the same mistake or we do make the same success, right? Um, so especially with uh, our recent debate, um, Rashad Penny, which has gone over three different podcasts now. And <laughs> I think that's why this we started this podcast was so we have to give credit to Rashad Penny. Also, a quick little shout out to our, our buddy J. Mike on Twitter. He came up with the, the Dynasty Crossroads name. So credit goes out to you, J. Mike. Thank you for doing that for us. Um, also our, our beautiful introduction, we got to give a shout out to Zach Reed, uh, at Tactics Assassin on Twitter. I'm sure you guys know he's the, the better looking half of the Dynasty Dummies. Um, Kyle will probably kill me after I said that, but, uh, if you guys are familiar with the Dynasty Dummies podcast, he does, uh, these amazing songs. They're hilarious and, and very well done all at the same time, so... Shout out to to Zach for helping us out with that introduction. Um, but yeah, let's why don't we uh, dig in here? I'm excited to talk some some Rashad Penny with you. Any other thing I want to point out is um, we're going to try and keep it short, right? Uh, you're on your ride to work. You're doing your run. Um, maybe you run for several hours, but we <laughs> don't. So uh, we're planning to try and keep it around 30 minutes. 
Um, we're not trying to give you the answers. We're trying to give you two perspectives so that you can make up your minds without any of the noise around either analytics or film um, becoming too confusing or conflicting or just an outright argument. I'm trying to make it a debate. So um, running backs. Uh, I thought just to start with, where we'd outline basically what we look for when evaluating rookie running backs specifically. Maybe we can do NFL running backs another time, but it's rookie season, right? So I thought we'd focus, especially with Rashad Penny, <laughs> in our near future, I'm sure. Um, we should focus on what we look for for running backs. And they're difficult anyway, because we haven't seen them on an NFL field. Um, and so neither the numbers or the tape really matches up to what we probably would like to use to evaluate them. So what's, what are some of the things you look for? What do you do? When you've got a rookie running back, what do you do to try and make up your mind on it? Sure, and I, I, I think from my perspective, part of my flaw in my evaluation process is watching tape and and how I diagnose it and, and what I'm trying to get out of it is sometimes harder to verbalize and communicate um, without the statistical analytical background. So I think analytic people have more power because they have more data behind their um, evaluation. So from a tape perspective, and it sounds silly, and any analytics person I've talked to kind of poo-poos on the notion, I want a player's tape to speak to me, and I can't really even um, communicate how they do that, but I want a player to pop off the tape for me, and if they if they can't do that, I'm, I'm less interested. So um, but as far as some characteristics, obviously vision is incredibly important for running backs. It can be hard to, to see on some of the game tape that, that you can get on YouTube. You just you don't have the right angles. We don't have all 22 tape on all these games. Some of the cutups do have some, some, some good angles on these, on these players, but vision is obviously important. Uh, one of my biggest things, and probably part of the reason why I did love uh, cream hunt for so long and I was high on Elvin Kamara last year was contact balance you know when a player can take on a defender uh, absorb the hit bounce off and then continue his uh, continue downfield continue picking up extra yardage when so many backs tend to just go down on first contact so contact balance is very important for me foot quick foot quickness uh, if I could speak is another thing that would that is important for me, and then obviously a pass receiving skill set um, is 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 an added bonus, and I know it's a huge part of today's league, and you don't have to be special at it, but hopefully that you can provide some level of um, ability to perform in that. Yeah, area. that makes sense to me and I'm really looking forward to this podcast because even if no one else enjoys it, all of that raises questions for me I want answers <laughs> to, right? Someone who's good at tape, I'm like, I, w I finally get to ask someone like about that. Um, so I guess I should <laughs> talk about what I do instead yeah, please. before we start questioning. Um, nothing. <laughs> when you test anything about you try to isolate the skill of the player it's really difficult because like even players that weren't involved in that run had an effect on that play. And I think that's one of the reasons that numbers have a hard time translating running backs at all. Um, but 
there are some things that have more signal than others, right? And there's similar things. Like you can identify very easily who's carrying the ball a lot, like who has a higher rushing market share or who has a higher percentage of their team's rushing carries tells you that this team was just using this guy. This guy can handle a workload. This guy was the running back. And that you make a story out of that in that, therefore, this player was so good that a team felt uh, they could rely on him to do that. And then, like you were saying, you can pick up the receiving game much easier. And the minute we go to the receiving game, numbers get a lot more helpful. <laughs> a lot more helpful. Um, <laughs> but um, that's just generally what I look for. I'm going to look for um, how much a player is being used, how much they're being used in the receiving game. And also, the other thing that kind of has a signal is their athleticism compared to their size. Right, not just how fast they ran, but how fast they ran in relation to how tall they are and how heavy they are. So high adjusted speed score also has uh, one of the more decent signals. But um, I can't throw any great metrics or things that I measure. Um, I have created models um, that outdo just draft capital and based on specifically those things, receptions a game, uh, rushing market share, uh, and also... Um, Hard adjusted speed score and weight and height, but um, again, the numbers are so unable to predict running backs, they so poorly correlate to either fantasy points or any levels of fantasy success that it's really hard to. There are better numbers that I don't have. That's the other thing to point out. I, I only have access to public numbers, I don't have uh, PFF money, right. So I don't have access to success rates, which seem to be immensely more predictive than the ones I've mentioned. But I can only give you what I can get. No, but I think I, th I think that brings up I think that brings up a good point. Is if if someone's not going to help you understand or or admit that there's flaws in their own process and and they're wrong at least as as often as they are right, then they're they're full of shit and that's not a reliable source for you so uh in no means do i ever think that i'm my process is better my film eva evaluating is better i i do feel like i'm pretty good at the running back position uh i think that's i think that's a lot of sentiments for for film and uh tape guys is running backs are easier to evaluate from a tape standpoint and how they transition to the nfl uh they get used earlier. Uh, it's an easier position to adjust to. Uh, but yeah, we're neither of us are here to tell us that we have all the answers, and uh, we're we're wrong at least as much as we are right. Yeah, right. Um, if we ever give the impression we're here to tell you the answers, then uh, we did something wrong. Because <laughs> that's not we're going to give the best ideas that we have come up with, and then you go fix it with the right ideas. <laughs> that's kind of. <laughs> Um, by melding the two together. Well, it's like we were talking about earlier. We're literally trying to predict the future, and I always describe it in those terms to remind myself, you know, Nostradamus, right? No one knows the future, so we're trying to do something that's impossible. But it's like, um, you know, when I disagree, well, like I said about Penny, <laughs> um, if someone I know who's good at this thinks differently, very differently me about on any subject, it's like finding a, a mistake before you've made it. And so that's what I focus on. It's like you said, the misses are what, um, you know, you hit on a lot, but you end up speaking about your misses because that's where you learn, right? It's like, what the hell did that go wrong? 
and and that's a segue to where we're going to be going here is and i think we should probably get to it uh with rashad penny is it doesn't mean i i don't dislike the player and i i'm sure i come off that way on twitter sometimes because anybody that talks negatively about a player you know sometimes it's not a good look and sometimes what's the point um but when i do see a player who i think is being a little bit overvalued from some people that have a lot of weight in this community. I, I just have a problem with it and I feel like I need to discuss my point of view. So it's not that I hate the player. He's still my RB five in this class. I just, I, I don't get the talk of him at one Oh two, unless it's like a redraft. I'm like a professional at this. This was a segue from your last point. <laughs> goes right into this you give a ranking i mean it's exact that's perfect um who are we on penny i wanted to go back just a second yeah why don't we why don't we get to the to the outline of this show why don't we talk some penny um my evaluation comes back to that running back model uh, it, it compared all the running backs in this class together across those different categories i was talking about i weighted um their speed score so adjusted for their height um, their 40-yard dash, so there's a crossover, but we'll talk about the problems with regression models later. Um, his m final rushing market share, so in his final season, and his receptions a game throughout the career, those were just the ones that I could find that had the most signal. So they connected more with how successful a running back was in the NFL than anything else I have so far tested. I don't have success rates like I mentioned, but those are the ones that I found. And when I compared all of those across running backs from uh, 2000 all the way to 2015, so they'd all spent three years in the NFL, the, it ranked the players from the 2018 class as they compared to the most successful um, from that time period. And Rashad Penny came out second just under uh, Saquon Barkley. Now, he was very, very far below Saquon Barkley. I can't really emphasize that enough. I'm not saying like, ooh, it's close. Better not take Barkley. Nowhere near. No one is nowhere, anywhere near. Um, so I already was paying attention to Penny before the draft or before I really pay attention to anyone else. I kind of do my own research in the same vein that you were saying. Like Penny, like I hadn't expected him to be that high. And then I started paying attention to other people's and some people mentioned he was good on tape here and there, had some spark, and you said the opposite, which is one of my confusing points about tape. But then like J.J. Zacharyson and people that I really respect enough that I'll start valuing my own opinion when it agrees with it, <laughs> started saying the same thing. And then you take in uh, more context, and so people point out that he was in a lower conference and had a good or a bad offensive line, and then they start weighing in like uh, you did with the real concerns for the NFL, like going to the Seahawks is good in the first round, but the offensive line. And so viewing all of that through the model of he seems to be good across these variables, I started looking for trends in the things I can look for trends in. I can't look for trends in looks good in tape until everyone starts counting what they mean by that. But what I can do is look at the offensive line. And so I looked at offensive line for top 24 running backs. What I found is it's not that it doesn't have a correlation. If you have a top five offensive line, you are more likely to finish in the top 24 at running backs. If you're on the bottom five of the offensive line, you are less likely. But the differences were like one or two percent across 32, rank, 32 teams 
across the last 15 years of running back classes. And that just wasn't big enough to me to worry about. There are plenty of running backs that have been in the top 24 with a bad offensive line, with the worst offensive line. And so what I found matched up with success better because uh, I kind of expected it because smarter people had already told me, to be fair, was volume, right? It's how much you carry the ball. And that's not just, if you give me 100 carries, I'm not going to get a single yard in an NFL field. It's not just volume. Volume indicates that the team believes in that player, that that player probably has talent, and, and that player probably has skills that are going to make him successful. That's why he's getting the volume. It's not volume by itself, but it's a good indicator of all those other things. And so what can predict volume? That comes down to the fact that the Seahawks definitely wanted him because no one else had him as a first round, I don't think, draft pick. So they went out and got him. They've put all this investment in him. So I just feel like they're going to feed him. And so he's going to get that opportunity. And if he is good, half as good as what that, my variable model told me, that he will have those skills to actually take advantage of that volume. Now, do I know that will happen? No, because no running back metrics are actually predictive. But it's the best I can do. It's of what I can measure, this is good. Not Saquon Barkley good. Not I will complain if you take Darius Geis over him good. But he's definitely in the top three, top four, definitely top three for me, conversation of running backs in this class because of the things that I can measure. And... Now, if you, like I said, if you take Geis over him, I won't bat an eyelid. That's a perfectly good choice. He came out really good in the model. Tape uh, watchers love him as well, and he comes out well in everything else as well. It doesn't bother me he fell a little bit because of whatever off-field issues the teams had. Um, so I'm not saying you have to take him over Geis. I'm just saying as a value, because he's falling past the fifth, sixth, seventh pick sometimes, and he's coming out well in my model, and he's got the draft capital with a team that wants to run, and O-lines don't necessarily matter if he's good enough to take advantage of volume. And so that's where I came out on. So, again, we don't necessarily disagree. <laughs> we just argue about it a lot. Yeah, and, and part of the part of argument is it's fun, and it, I, I, hope, I hope people never get offended, and... I think both of us, you know, we talked pre-show that we can anybody can come off as maybe a little bit arrogant, especially on Twitter when you don't understand how people are trying to express the words that they're typing. And especially like when I know people, I'll probably talk to them much differently than to somebody that I that I have no communication background with. So um, a lot of it's for fun. And honestly, I would I would not mind taking Rashad Penny in the mid mid of middle of the first round of rookie drafts. I, I, I wouldn't mind, especially if I'm a contender and I feel like I'm winning this year. I understand that. Um, but for long term, I, do, I just don't love the player. And, and it's pretty simple for me. When I watch his tape, I didn't think his contact balance is, is special by any means. I think he goes down on first contact uh, at times pretty easily um i know his pff elusiveness ratings were exceptional i didn't see an extremely elusive player on tape i think his straight line speed is fantastic a lot of the runs i saw him that were big runs and and that was a lot of his rushing totals he had a lot of attempts and 
a lot of his yardage just came on huge chunk plays. And I know you could say that with a lot of running backs. But what I noticed, a, a huge number of his big runs were on third and long on delayed draw plays. So for me, that almost erases those plays. And I'm not saying they shouldn't count, but that's one thing that I noticed, the third and long delayed draw plays when defenses are playing deep in coverage. Th- those chunk plays aren't aren't really on the running back, in my opinion, there. Secondly, he had massive holes to run through. Not always, and he did create on his own sometimes. <laughs> but he did have massive holes to run through. Um, so those are those are a couple of my concerns. And, you know, pre-show, I was actually just I was looking up through some of his stats. And here's the deal. He went through – he did have some really poor competition in the Mountain West Conference. And let's not forget, and I think it's – they're obviously different players. And it's no, it's no shade at Donnell Pumphrey. He was one of the best college running backs – ever as far as t- uh, statistical basics goes but san diego state has been pumping out running backs for a long time if you look at Donnell pumphrey's 2016 stat line and rashad penny's 2017 stat line Donnell pumphrey had over 2100 rushing yards 27 catches and 231 receiving yards rashad penny had over 2200 rushing yards so he beat him a little bit there had 19 catches for 135 yards receiving um, so their stat lines were almost identical. So for me, if Rashad Penny is that special, he should have at least bumped more into Donnell Pumphrey's workload at San Diego State. So that's that's a minor blip. I'm not that's not my main argument there. But then you go and look at the competition he faced. And then, you know, I had a conversation with Curtis Patrick on Twitter where he's saying, well, he did face two um, power five conference teams in Stanford and Arizona state. And he played very well in those games. Well, in that Arizona state, when I go back to those third and long delays, like I think two or three of his big runs were on third and long. So again, those chunk plays in my tape evaluation don't really matter, but you go back and look at how the college defense, uh, rushing defenses he faced. Take a look at this. Uh, let's see, Arizona State, right? One of the Power 5 teams he played. They, let's see here. They Arizona State and Stanford allowed over 170 rushing yards per game, which put Arizona State for 72nd in the nation and Stanford at 66th in the nation. You go down the line, San Jose State, 292 rushing yards per game average. They ranked 130th. They were last on the list. Hawaii averaged 210 rushing yards a game allowed and ranked 104th. Army allowed 181 yards and ranked 77th. Air Force allowed 238 yards per game and ranked 124th. New Mexico allowed 171 yards per game and ranked 67th. So... I was like, well, he must have played a couple good rush defenses, right, in, in last season. He did. He faced two top uh, 20 rush defenses. You know what his stat lines were from those games? Fresno State was the 11th-ranked rush defense. He finished with 15 carries for 69 yards, zero touchdowns, one catch for nine yards. Okay? That's not a very good stat line. Maybe he played well against another team that, that 
was, you know, had an adequate, somewhat adequate rush defense. Well, against Boise State, they were the 17th ranked rush defense. He went for 21 carries for 53 yards and one touchdown, zero catches for zero yards. That stands out for me, and I think that backs up how I evaluate his level of competition at the collegiate level. Oh, hello, my name's Jake. I don't come prepared. I like to ad lib. <laughs> oh, here's a bunch of stuff. <laughs> Trying to catch me, I'm uh, unaware. So that's what you're doing, Jake. <laughs> yeah, you're bringing all the analytics and all that stuff. I had to, I had to, I had to bring, I had to, I had to bring something to provide context here. I know, I know that I can be fuzzy with my, with my tape evaluation and my communication of how I. Uh, how my process works but and that's another thing just because i'm a tape guy and and i i want the tape to speak to me doesn't mean that i don't try to go find reasons why that tape spoke to me why i like a player why i don't like a player it's just the initial reason why i like a player is hard to communicate but when i when i go back and find stats like that that kind of backs up my evaluation. And that's how we know you're not a trust me analyst. Like, I saw this. I can't prove it. But I, I, I definitely saw it because you actually do go that extra step, right? That's the difference between analysis and hype-mongering, right? I like him on tape where you investigated what did I see, what didn't I see. That's that's the next step, and it's very important. Um, yeah, I guess my answer to that is we'll just cut that section. Now, um... <laughs> No, it's just that I don't care. And uh, this is the part where I, we remind you what Jake said here. I'm not trying to be an ass. And I'm certainly not saying Jake what Jake's saying isn't true. It's just that I can't prove that any of that means something. It's not that it doesn't mean something. It definitely means something. But I can't prove that it means something. And what do I mean by that? We've looked at versus competition rates, right? This running back only had this many games against this many power five conferences and he did this well those are things we can measure so why haven't you measured well we did measure it and it's not that it doesn't matter it's just there's not a connect there's not a strong connection to that and how well a running back does in the nfl now that might be noise because it's always a small sample size especially when you're cutting down a small sample size to five games in different situations in different places but what i can measure is like running backs that come from smaller conferences or smaller schools or easier competitions with better offensive lines i'll just go i'll just go for example um david johnson that's exactly what we said about david johnson poor competition great offensive line ran poorly against power five conferences so i can count those two and the david johnson's did pretty well and some didn't it just does not correlate well to those that were successful what does correlate well to uh um, to success, not just David Johnson, but across that time span I was talking about, 2000 to 2015 rookies, is high adjusted speed score. How often they carried the ball, not in counting stats, but in market share. How many times in that situation was that running back trusted? Um, how many receptions a game that running back got? How much a part of the offense he was? What his speed score was? So his athleticism compared to his size. And in those types of numbers, he compares better to successful running backs than he does to unsuccessful ones. And so that's why I lean, it's not that I don't care. I care very much about trying to find a way of explaining 
or finding the use for that information you were just talking about, but so far I don't know what the use of it is. It sounds like it should definitely be important, but I don't know what the use of it is, because it doesn't... Like, a player can do that and be David Johnson, or a player can do that and be Donald Pumphrey, to use the two, and there's no way to guess which one he is based on that information. Yet. That I know of. Smart people probably do, but I definitely don't. So, <laughs> and so I'm going to lean on the stuff that I have found some connection to success on, and in those, Penny does Yeah, well. that's, that's completely fair. And again, just driving the point home that it's not that I don't like penny it's that i don't like penny at 102 and i think with all the talking heads pumping him up at 102 i think they're i just wanted to be a contrarian take there and those are the reasons i thought i was going to be contrarian going penny at one that's why i have him at two not more honestly at three behind geist because that's fine too because i thought i'd put him at two and like people would go, oh my god, that's hot. And then we get in the conversation. But instead, it's like split down the middle. <laughs> so it's not contrarian yeah, at all. In a in a read in a redraft contest, I I think I would take Penny at one hundred and two. I think I or at least at least he'd be in the discussion for me. So it's not it doesn't it doesn't say that I don't like his situation for this year because he's going to get volume, and I do understand how important volume is. But when I'm looking dynasty, I'm really looking at talent as well as situation. And I don't love the talent as I think as much as I think a lot of people will. So for me, the draft capital was really the only thing that really bumped his value. Which is up. a good thing. We must agree. It is. Even it if, is. Even no, it if is. I hate draft capital. I think it was an awful, awful NFL decision. Fair but Running back in the first round just is across the board. That's fine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I guess the only other point I'd get, I think we've pretty much, apart from if we just want to keep saying it back and forth to each other. No, I don't think we need to keep going. I think we both got our points out there. I guess the only other thing I'd say is, like, um, it's not that I don't trust what you see on tape, but it bothers me, and why I also sometimes lean on numbers if I have the choice, is that it bothers me two people can look at the same tape and say the opposite thing not slightly different but like the opposite thing like someone's looked at the tape and said Rashad Penny was one of the most elusive running backs in this class and you look at it and go no he wasn't and that just bugs me it's like <laughs> I don't know what to do with that but that's that's a that's the imp, that's the yeah that's the that's the imperfect dynasty world fantasy world that we play in and no one does have the answers and the thing is i'm not an analytics guy but i i always have believed and you can steer me you know you can tell me if i'm flat out wrong but i do believe if there's also ways to use analytics and stats as a bias and to like to find to find numbers to find statistics that back up your own feelings about a player right like if you provide context about a player in one way or another way you can make them look really good or really bad if you if you want to and i'm not saying you do that i'm not saying the analytics community does that but i think that there's flaws in both processes yeah obviously otherwise we'd be you know better than right 10 percent of the time um maybe (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah i think that's 
uh, a conversation on processes, you start with a way to compare them, and you start with watching them and seeing how your gut reaction to it is. And then, like you said, you then go on and see if you can back up what you saw, and that's a process. Um, I run a regression model to compare them across these variables, and then I investigate their more details, more context, to see if it still matches up. Otherwise, yeah, you're doing what you say. You're just um, picking what you want to already support what you think. And so it's going to have that process to it. Um, we can probably cut this down to 30 minutes. <laughs> we should be able to cut this down to 57 minutes, no problem. So I think, I think, I think we should probably start to wrap this thing up. I mean, it's... It's been a blast. Well, I was just going to say, little... you know, in, in essence, to get it under 30 minutes, I'd just say you're welcome. And uh, no, obviously the exact same back to you. And yeah, we'll, we'll cut this down, but we're not going to probably get under 30 minutes, but we will. We will get there. We'll get better. We'll get stronger. We'll get faster. Like Rashad Penny when he becomes a top 24 running back and Jake owes me some money or something <laughs> or something. Man. Um, all right. Uh one last shout out. Check out um, uh, NFL Draft Talker Jake here on Twitter. And also check out his uh, fantasy graphics uh, at handle. He's doing some great work for uh, Scott Fishball 8. Um, he's creating individual uh, graphics for all the leagues or all the teams, I forget. Yeah, so it's actually fantasy graphics is something I, I just started getting into graphics actually last year for sfb7 i don't even remember really like i do flyers at my at my job from the golf programs i'm assistant recreation director i'm a golf pro by trade i, I i'm a teaching professional but I, I do some other stuff for the village um so i do all of our flyers so i do have just a tiny bit of background there so last year uh clint fowell was was doing avatars for people for sfb7 um and I thought it was really cool. Like everyone seemed really excited about it. So I decided to help him. I, I, you know, I got in touch with him. I DM'd him. I said, listen, if you need any help with these, I'd love to help. So we kind of both teamed up there and we made, I don't know, hundreds of these things uh, for people, for their SFB teams, whether they use them for their Twitter avatars or their, their team page on MFL for the Scott Fishbowl. But this year we decided, we decided to make a, actually a handle for it it's um at sfb underscore avi makers so what we're going to do is we'll charge people five dollars to make a, a cool little avi for their tv character division and all that money is going to go to fantasy cares and uh you know scott fish is doing amazing work and john bosch is doing fantastic work with these uh eliminator leagues um by the way for some reason i'm a uh celebrity in there for some reason uh i think i just john and john and i have a good relationship so i think he's being kind and asked me if i wanted to i said i don't know if it'll fill but sure why don't we do it so um you know it's all about giving back to the community and and it's just very humble to be part of that so if you if you get into the scott fishbowl feel free to dm us or our dms are open at, at sfb underscore avi makers and then if you need any MFL uh, graphics for league league banners, team logos, uh, your own personal Twitter avatar, Twitter banners, that's where you're going to find uh, at Fantasy Graphics. Um, 
I do all that stuff for fun. I don't charge a lot of money, but uh, if I didn't charge anything, my wife was would probably. Kill I know me. that so feeling, right? You spend all that all that money goes to um, a good cause for my own family's sake and and my own relationship's sake. But uh, I really just do it for fun, and I think people get a kick out of it. So uh, that's that's where I'm at. Why don't why don't you tell people all the amazing work that you're doing for uh, DLF and especially Roto Underworld right now? No, I figure we should get the graphics thing in. I don't know if we'll get it in under the time limit we end up in, but if nothing else, I figure we should try because then at least they get something like this good act to go get this awesome avatar. Or if you're in the Scott Fishbowl, you can go get <laughs> awesome graphics and donate to charity. And uh, that would be actually probably more value than anything I bring to the show. Um, as for me, I don't know. I work for DLF. I, um, I guess what I'm working on right now is uh, I'm working with player profile and ro at Roto Underworld to create a projections model for their draft kit. Now, that doesn't sound special, but it's literally taken more hours than I can count in the last month to come close to nearly being finished. So if, so if you can go check out their draft kit, <laughs> I might have something to show my... Look, people like uh, this thing I spent hours away from you and the kids for <laughs> um because yeah just ch check it out the dlf draft kite is freaking awesome as well and that's constantly updated as well but we're really working hard on this um roto underworld draft guide right now and i i just want people to see it and then tell me how wrong i am so at least i know someone saw it <laughs> that would be awesome <laughs> oh god it's been so so many hours <laughs> No, it's 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 very cool to to see your name in those. those it has been uh, freaking awesome, actually. I don't even know what you call them. Those videos. Promo those, videos, uh, I guess. Them? I don't know. The uh, the promo videos. It's cool to see your name there. Your name's been dropped on uh, with Matt Kelly the last couple episodes, so it's really cool to hear that. And it's pretty wild. <laughs> you're doing a lot of you're doing a lot of amazing work, and uh, that's why I just that's why I just want to punch you in the face because you're 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 you're. you're Annoyingly, annoyingly humble. To be annoyingly humble. You but don't um, get the credit that you deserve. So it's uh, just work. It, it's I'm <laughs> like I, I just yeah. That's what it is. Well, you do a lot of it. You calling it other job. stuff. It's like you, you could do it. You're just you know you have a life. I <laughs> kids. I'm just fascinated <laughs> with this. We'll try and get some of that in. Um, so I guess that's what we're up to. That's what we've done. And that was the first episode of Dynasty Crossroads. Thanks for checking it out. If you did, um, I'm Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. And he is Jake Emerson at NFL Draft Talk. We'll see you next week. You're at the